But amen. It's a beautiful day. I think we'll have in the 70s today. Boy, that sounds nice. Um, so I hope uh, we can all enjoy that. I'd like to open up uh, this morning uh, reading Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I just love that, how um, Christ has come. He... he made a way for us um, to be restored, and we can forget our old life, amen? We can forget all the things that lay behind, and we can press forward to know Christ. And um, with that, let's open up with a word of prayer. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are a good Father to us, Lord. And God, you are um, worthy of all our praise, Lord Jesus. Thank you for each one that's here this morning. God, as we're gathered here, I pray that um, we would set our eyes on you and just be reminded again of the awesome work that you've done, Lord Jesus, and that you have made a way. God, you have taken our sin and shame on yourself. You've nailed it to the cross, and because of that, we can be free, and we can know you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that. and. Um, God, as we sing these songs, I pray that we would just be drawn to you and that we would um, glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. 
Yes, Lord, that is my heart's cry this morning. That you would take all of me, Lord Jesus, and every breath that I take, Lord, every moment that we're awake and that we're asleep, Lord, we are yours. I pray that that would be each of our heart cry this morning. God, as we go through this life, Lord, that we would just be yours. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated, and um, if anyone has a testimony to share, feel free to speak up. Father, through Jesus the Son, 
And give him the glory, great things he has done. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that this week, too. Um, Blakey has had some health issues lately, and I've just been feeling like I need I need God's help, like every minute, every day. Um, and there was some times when he was in so much pain, and I did all that I could, or that I knew to do, and I would just say, Jesus, help me. And he would always give me an idea. Something would come in my mind, like, you know, Put him in the hot tub one time. It was I was like, God, I don't know what to do for him anymore. And it was like, put him in the hot tub. Just instantly came to my mind. And he, he felt better as soon as he sat in the hot tub. And I just want to thank God because he, he um, I mean, we've asked him, you know, for healing. And I know that he can heal and that he does heal. But he also, I think, wants to do a greater work in my heart of trusting him more of asking for his help and then allowing him to direct me and and lead me and just, um, yeah, to see that I don't know everything. <laughs> I actually don't know a lot at all. Um, sometimes I think I, I can take care of my kids just fine. I can take care of everything just fine. But God has been showing me that, no, you need me. You need my grace. You need my wisdom. You need my help. And the verse kept coming to my mind, Lift your eyes to the hills. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so I'm so thankful that he's so big and that he does amazing things in our lives. And yet he cares about all the little details and the little things. If we just ask, he's right there, ready to help. Um, and he does help. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? 
Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seals and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? truly love us He does Does the Spirit move among us He does And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves He does Does our God intend to dwell again with us Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seals and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is he 
time short, as far as age-wise, and so this break order name is Alice. Father, this morning we just lift up Alice to you, Lord, and I just pray that as the words that were spoken as as a truth that was shared with her, Lord, and that it would bear fruit. Yes. Lord, I know that it is not your will that anyone should perish, mm -hmm. but that all should come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I just pray this for Alice this morning, wherever she may be, Lord, that she would call upon the name of Jesus yes. and be saved. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Tim, for sharing that. Let's all stand up, and uh, those who are able, sing a couple more songs. We believe in one true God, Father, Spirit, Son, one church, one faith, one Lord of all, His kingdom. suffered, was beaten, crucified. He died and he was buried, entombed in darkest night. The third day rose victorious, ascended into hell. He'll one day come to judge us, the Spirit, one church empowered by Him, the communion of God's people, forgiveness of our sins, our bodies resurrected to everlasting life, to worship, love, and wonder before the throne of Christ. We believe in one true God. One church, one faith, one Lord of all is King. 
I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah Oh, pray. 
David, won't that be awesome? The day when we're all in the great hall of praise and glory, just singing with voices stronger and better than we ever thought possible and praising the Lord. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'll turn the time over.
Okay, can you actually hear me? All right, well, over here, over here, over here. Let's stand up here, all of us. So this is the children's lessons, although let me tell you something, guys. Did you know that actually the lessons that you receive are a blessing for these guys too? Am I right? Yep. I'm so blessed when, I mean, Carrie, Sarah, and all you, Steve sometimes share with the kids. I'm like, is he preaching to me? I think that's to me, bro. You know what I'm saying? So... I have a story for you today, but I'm going to need your help to explain to them, too, what we're talking about, okay? Okay, do you remember? What's the first, name, uh, the first book of the Bible? You're right. That's in Genesis. God created everything, created the world, created the animals and trees and everything, right? So just so they don't forget how the animals make, we're going to help them a little bit, okay? So let's all stand up here. And let's imagine that we're in the garden because God created the garden, right? Okay, and they put a man and a woman in there, right? So let's, let's think that we're walking in the garden and suddenly we see a monkey. So how does a monkey make? Everybody, everybody, come on, everybody, show them, show them. There you go. Okay, and then we keep walking, and then we see a lion. Lion. Okay, and then, yeah, and then we keep walking and seeing around, and then we see a kangaroo. Kangaroo, jump, jump, everybody jump. Boom, boom, boom. Wow, that is amazing. And actually, did you know that God made, he created snakes too? So how does a snake... 
There you go. Okay, so I want to tell you a story. You can sit right there. Okay, do you remember that God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of all these fruits, all these trees, except for one. We don't know what kind of tree it was, right? Wow. That's true. That is so true. Were you going to say something? Exactly. So this, even though snakes are not bad, we all know snakes are not bad. But this one, it was bad because it was Satan. Did you know that Satan was actually a good guy before? He used to help God in heaven to do a lot of things. He was a really nice guy. He used to be an angel. And even the Bible says that he was so beautiful. Isn't it that interesting? However, however, Satan, he wanted all the other creation from God to worship him. And that is wrong because the only one that deserves to be worshipped and be praised is God. Right? So that was the problem. Now, what did the serpent do when, he, when the serpent was in the tree? What did he tell You're right. Were you going to say something too? Do you agree with that? That is true. Exactly. But you know, you, did you know that it was a lie? Because the devil is a liar. And he's always lying. Always lying. Now I want to tell you something. This is going to be a short story, okay? But this is so important that you guys remember this. Because he's always lying. He's always lying. Always lying. He lies to grown-up people, to younger people, to kids. And you know, and you know how he lies sometimes? Sometimes he tells us, you know what? You are too short. You're not too short. God created you like that. Or he sometimes he says, Oh, your skin is dark, or your skin is too white, or your hair is too long, or your hair is too short, or you don't have hair. <laughs> right? But did you know that that's a lie? Because God created us just like we are right now. And I'm going to prove to you that God loves us just as we are. Without seeing them, I'm going to ask everybody. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to raise your hands if you love each one of these kids. You see hands? How many hands do you see? A lot of them. A lot of them. Okay, that's because we love you. Just like God created you. And he made each one of you and each one of us different. Right? So let's remember this. Every time we hear somebody telling us and making fun sometimes of us like, Ah, ha, ha, you speak weird. Or, oh, your hair is too brown. Or your hair is too blonde. Or whatever. That is just lies because God created us like that. Okay? So you... Kids are so loved by Jesus. Did you know that when you were in your mommy's womb, God already knew you? And he was seeing you. And he was forming you inside your mommy. And he was so happy. And he was thinking, I'm going to give this hair to Benny. Ooh. Isn't it that cool? And to each one of you, he was given specific the color of your eyes, your height, 
Isn't it that beautiful? Okay, so I want you to remember that God loves you. And one thing, in one way that you can see that God loves you is through the church, through the people. All, all these adults, I promise you, and I'm, I can guarantee you that each one of them love you. You want to see it? Will you stand up if you love these kids? Kids, I'm going to ask you a favor. Can you stand here? Let's all stand over here. Stand up over here. Come, Benny, come here. Stand up over here. Um... Do you love them? Excuse me. <laughs> Satan wants them. And we need to take care of them. And we need to be careful. Because God is showing his love to them through each one of us. And I know we make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes. I know we all make mistakes. But still, we need to be aware, okay? And we need to be strong and work together. Because I, he's not my son, but I love him. And I want to see him know Jesus and be known by Jesus. Each one of them, that's my son right there, but each one of them, man, I want them to know the Lord. That's what we want for you guys. We want you to know the love of Jesus in your life. And we want Jesus to know you too. You want to pray for them? I'm going to invite everybody, whoever wants, come here and let's pray for these kids. And let's just speak blessings upon them. Because we love them. Everybody, feel free, even if, you, if your kids are not here. And just, just pray, speak up. I mean, don't, don't, don't wait for me, whatever. We, we just want to pray for you kids because we love you. Father, we praise you, Lord, and we pray for these kids, Lord. Protect them. Transform their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We all love you. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for that, Ellie. You know, uh, I always heard growing up, you'd hear people have children's lessons and talk about how this is, you know, these kids, you guys, you're the church of tomorrow or however they wanted to phrase that. 
I'm sure you heard that, Phil. I'm sure many of us that grew up in churches heard that. And then it kind of seemed, oh, that's way out there. That's far off. But here we are. Remember, kids, all of, all of us that uh, are now the adults here in the church for one, one time exactly where you're sitting. It doesn't take long, and, and uh, it is our desire, and thank you, Ali, for just pointing out the importance of shepherding our children to become the church of God. Great reminder for the kids and for all of us. Oh, welcome to each one of you this morning. It's good to have you all here. Thank you, Jason and the praise team for leading us in a great time of, of worship. I have no doubt that God was honored and glorified by all of us here lifting our voices to him this morning. It was a blessed time already. So once again, welcome to each one. If you're new here, if you're a visitor, welcome to those who may be listening online. I'm glad you're able to join us in that way. Um, if you're not, if you're new here and you're not familiar with uh, the building or uh, what we do here, uh, just a few announcements. Our uh, restroom facilities are to my left, back that hall there, and we also. Uh, after the service, we have a lunch together, so please, everybody, stay for that. That is a time of continued uh, fellowship and just encouragement, and I believe that's an important part of our uh, worship experience together as well. So please stay after the service and, and join us in that time of fellowship as well. If you've ever... Uh, heard sermons or even the singing, something that it really blessed you and you want to go back and hear it again. All these things are recorded and they are on our website, redeemedcommunitychurch.org. It's all there. There's a lot of resources there for you. Um, feel free to check that out. If the Lord has blessed you and asked you to give to his work, please feel free to do that. We don't pass an offering here. We believe that the Lord asked us to give of our free will and to give cheerfully. But if you want to do that, there is a box on the back wall there you can uh, deposit your gift into, but you can also uh, go on our website and there's a link to give online as well. This Friday evening, if you will see in your bulletin, I believe it's in here somewhere. Uh, We have our monthly game night on Friday evening, 6.30, hosted by the Schroeder family, but here at church in just a time, an informal time of uh, fellowship, playing games, having snacks and discussions, whatever the case may be. Um, We'll probably only have one or two more of these till uh, we break for the summer, Um, but uh, so definitely feel free to come and enjoy that time with us as well. Uh, Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., there's prayer here for whoever wants to come. I think that uh, concludes our announcements. So let's come before the Lord and open our hearts to hear from his word.
Brother Phil is going to be bringing the word this morning to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning, for your love that has been poured out on each one of our lives, for your mercies that are new and that it's by your mercy that we're allowed to be here this morning. So we thank you for that. I pray a special blessing on each heart and life here. Father, you know what each person is facing, each unique circumstance, each trial, whatever it may be. We know that you know. And I pray that you would touch each life here this morning through your word, through our fellowship, through our testimonies, that you would be honored and glorified in each heart and life would be touched and drawn closer to you this morning. And we thank you that you will do this in Jesus' name. Amen. To Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I recently have been deeply convicted. By the way, that's a really good thing, in case you didn't know that. Also, Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, he said, when we were among you, when we lived there in, in the town with you and started the church, he said, we were men who were full of conviction. Are you that kind of a person? By the way, we often think of the word conviction as in related to sin, right? The Holy Spirit saying, this is sin. You must repent and change. But it's much more than that. Else we'd just be condemned people. Jesus said in John 16, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict men of sin and of righteousness and judgment. All three. Set us free. Did you get that? Remember that. All three set you free. You need all three to be set free. Sin, the Lord says, don't lie. That was sin. Okay, Lord, please forgive me. Now, speak the truth. Do what is right. Speak the truth in love. And so, you clear the air. You speak the truth. And immediately, you're judged by the one true judge who alone has the authority to forgive your sin and to justify you. That moment. And without all three, we're just condemned people. And we can never do what is right. And we're never set free because we've never truly been judged. And so we live in this cloud over us. Like living on a dark, cloudy, rainy, windy day. Have you ever lived a day like that? Me too. Just this past week. One of my boys and I took a... Tiny house down to Oklahoma, and I'm telling you, you poor people in Oklahoma, I'm sorry, but there was no attraction there for me. I know it was all the weather, but I'm sure Dave and Faith are looking at me and smiling. They're from Oklahoma, but it was ugly and windy and rainy and snowy and cloudy. It was depressing to me. I couldn't wait to come back to Colorado for the sun. Are you that way in your spirit? I'm sure they get sunlight in Oklahoma. It's nothing personal, just an illustration. It really felt that way, though. That's exactly how 
many people in this world live. They know when they do wrong, their conscience convicts them of sin. But because they won't bring it to Jesus and confess their sin, Jesus can't do anything. Did you know that? Jesus has this law of the Spirit that he lives by. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All the unright that we did in that sin, that act of sin, is gone. Because we confess, He forgives, He is just. That means He declares us just as if we had never sinned. Justifies us. In the court of heaven, no more guilt. You're guilt free. That is an amazing experience. We need all three to be set free. Just one more note. That song that we sing that the kids love so much, by the way, Anthony's right. I was, we were told children are the church of tomorrow. But I heard from most of you in this church, the children are the church of today. Would you agree with that? Many of you have said the children's time is your favorite time. Mine too. You know why? Guess what, children? We're all just a little bigger than you are, but we're all children. That's why we love you so much. We're all children of God. And that song, the Lord always brings this two verses to my mind. Satan, lower, lower, lower. You know how low God will bring Satan in your life if you trust him for it? Romans chapter 16 Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome, I know that God will shortly, just soon now, will crush Satan under your feet. Have you ever crushed anything with your feet, kids? Like a bug? Have you ever crushed one of those stink bugs? That's exactly what you should do to Satan. When he brings sin into your life. That's what God will do. That's how low he'll go. Under your feet. Crush him. And Jude tells us. We hate the garments spotted by the flesh. When we save the soul that way. My soul and your soul. And Colossians chapter 1 is the next one. Jesus is so high that he takes first Place in everything in my life. He comes first. You know how practical God does that in my life? I don't know what that means for you. But for me, the Lord puts some real life reminders to me to do that. Simple things like this. The first thing you do when you wake up. Who comes first? Is it this? You know... How many of you guys sleep with this plugged in, in your, on your nightstand? It's okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but my guess is many of us do, right? Is that what you reach for the first thing in the morning? Or, is it this? What comes first? 
What are the first things your eyes see and your heart takes in? I tell you, you start that little habit in your life, it's like this. You know, they say you should drink a cup of water the first thing when you wake up in the morning. First thing that should hit your inside is a cup of cold water or lukewarm water. Water cleanses your kidneys. It's good for you. Now, when you do that, you don't feel anything miraculous, do you? Try it. I do it every morning. I'm not preaching something I don't live. Take a cup of water. The next thing my eyes see is this. And I tell you, what it does for you is it cleanses your spirit just like that cup of water cleanses your kidneys. And if you do it faithfully, it has a cleansing, powerful effect. You don't see it in a moment when you do it. That's why we fail so often. Because it, it's not like drinking, you know, a power aid and all of a sudden, boom, you feel so positive and full of energy that day. No. But it's real life effective. It does something for your inside. So does this. Oh, dear child of God, if you were to actually give Jesus first place in your life, every day you would experience Jesus first in so many areas in your life there's another little practical illustration that the Lord has given me how many of you wake up with wonderful breath your breath smells sweet like honey or maybe even better like you know the best men's cologne you can buy or the women's Perfume, whatever makes you, your nose just, wow. Your breath smells like that? Nope. Come on, Pat. We don't believe it. Maybe you put one of those little good smellers on your tongue. So you know what the Lord told me? You know, Jesus said, you should first cleanse the inside of your life. And then the outside will be made clean. Do you actually do that first? Are you more concerned and pay more attention to cleaning your inside than you are your outside? How many of you get up in the morning and you wash your face? You know, the sleep dirt out of your eyes. Maybe you splash a little water. Maybe you go as far as taking a shower. You want to wash the sleep off of you. And you comb your hair and you have a mirror you look into. Why? Because you want to know how you look before you go out the door. Okay. What about your inner man? So the Lord gave me this illustration some years ago. It's just practical and you don't need to do it. I'm not saying this is a law. It's just something the Lord gave me to do. I wake up with impure inside. Perhaps. You never know what the devil throws at you in your sleep. Just like I wake up with bad breath. So the first thing I do, what did I just do? Someone tell me. I brushed my teeth and I took mouthwash. Clean the inside first, then the outside. It's putting Jesus first place in your life and the devil gets crushed. Try it.
Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is sticking out of your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. You actor. That's the word. You're just acting. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine pigs, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock. It shall be opened to you for everyone, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be opened. What man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf? Will he give him a stone for toast in the morning? If your child asks, could I have a piece of toast? Hang on, son. I go out and I get a rock. Here you go. Would anybody do anything like that? Any man? Yep. Maybe a child. <laughs> man. Yep, maybe a chocolate rock. Or if you shall ask for a fish. He give him a snake. Would he? Maybe. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Means it's the whole Bible. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who who find it? Remember, we're asking from our Heavenly Father for this. Beware of false prophets or teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They'll bite you. Their words will bite you. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, are they? Nor figs from thistles, are they? 
Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or preach in your name? And in your name, Crushed Satan under my feet. Cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. People were healed. And then I will declare to them. I never knew you. Jesus is not saying that's not true. That all is true. They did cast out demons. They did preach in his name. They did perform miracles. But something was missing that did not let them enter in. Jesus didn't know them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house, his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. The Lord has been speaking to me strongly through His words and how important they are to me in my life. You know what I found? In my Christian life, I was intrigued and taken up with much of the Bible, the stories. I got a lot out of them. And the epistles. I got a lot out of them, you know. Do not lie one to another. Colossians, Ephesians, be patient, James, be patient with each other. But the words of Jesus, I found easier to just kind of read and close my Bible and go about my day. Have you found that in your life? The Lord is changing it in my heart because he's reminding me that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. And at the last day, Jesus said, it's my words that will judge your life. 
His words. No one else. No one else's opinion. Only His word will judge my life. And today, it's His word that judges my life, convicts me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Only His words set me free. Jesus said in John 8, the truth will set you free. His words are spirit and they are truth. Only His words. And so the Lord is doing something in my heart. And I pray He'll do it in your heart too. To take His words with stronger emphasis in your life and in my life and to pay closer attention to the words of Jesus Himself. Not discarding the rest of the Scripture. And so that's why I took you through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the last few times I spoke. And as we go through this sermon of Jesus, this is what I've taken note in my heart. He begins by saying, blessed, blessed, blessed. The happy people are those people who take sin seriously in their life. Not lightly. Seriously, it's a cancer and it will kill you. And when I don't see it that way, I'm just like the person who when the doctor says, you have cancer all through your body, I say, okay, like that good old country song. I don't remember all the lyrics. I remember I've, I've heard it here and there. I'm not a fan of country music because I want my dog and I want my wife and I love my children and I don't want to get them all back somehow one day. I want to keep them. Doesn't country music talk about that mostly? But this country song is just as bad. The guy says he got cancer. And so he went Rocky Mountain climbing, he went skydiving, he went all did all this stuff that he had on his bucket list to quickly do at the end of his life. Read the good book. That's the one good part of it. You must know the song. I missed that one. Read the good book. Is that what you do with sin in your life? Distraction is a wonderful way to deal with sin. But the end of it is death. Sin will still kill you. Just like distraction is a wonderful way to deal with cancer until it kills you. So Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5, the happy people are those who deal with sin. Verse 21, they deal with anger in their heart towards their brother. And they see it as a serious cancer that will kill me, it will destroy my life. They deal with adultery and lust of the eye. The lusts of the flesh will kill me. Romans 8, they that live according to the flesh will die. They deal with it so radically that they cut it out of their life. How do you go about doing that? There is one and only one weapon of choice that can deal with sin in our life. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it divides between your soul and your spirit, even to the intent motives of your heart. And that sword is not whack, whack, 
a sword that they used to kill people. It's referring to a surgeon's knife when he takes out your heart and puts a new one in. How careful do you want that surgeon to be? Huh? You want him to start whacking it? Whack, whack. Just cut, cut. No. Take that knife. Be real careful now. And only get my heart. And put a new one in carefully. That's the idea the Hebrew writer is talking about. And that only tool, and the only surgeon that is able to do that well is Jesus with his word. Are you that serious about the sin, the cancer in your life? About your bad heart that God wants to replace? In Ezekiel chapter 36, God promises this beautiful surgical promise to us. We have bad hearts, stony hearts, hearts that are hard, that can endure cancer and overcome it. That's what our hearts tell us. We're fighters. We can tough it out. And the Lord says, I'm going to cut out your stony heart. I'm going to put within you a heart of flesh, a tender heart. Why? So that you can be tender towards me and tender towards others. And be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Colossians tells us. Tender hearted. Are you a tender hearted person? So tender that Christ, Jesus, can speak his words and you receive them. So tender that When people speak words, you experience those words, but only Jesus can take those words and do something with them in your heart. You don't have to have a hard heart to deal with cruel people. You need a tender heart. Well, Jesus can teach you how to forgive because hard hearts don't forgive. They remain hard and they endure it. A happy person is one who takes sin seriously. He overcomes life through the power of forgiveness. He overcomes the hardness of life through the power of forgiveness. First, experiencing it within. And his righteousness is centered there. Doing what is right from the heart and secretly. Chapter 6. He lives this secret love of Jesus and practicing it in such a way that is inconspicuous. People don't know much about it. They don't know how much you pray. They have no idea how much you read your Bible. They have no idea how much money you give or where to whom you give it because you're quiet about it. A quiet life is a powerful life in heaven. Don't ever forget that. And that's why... Apostle Paul told the church in Thessalonica, have you read these words? This is an an amazing goal to have for your Christian life. And if this becomes your goal in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you will love like you've never loved before. This is the way to perfect and strengthen your loving ways and your life of love to him and loving others. 
He says in verse 9, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. They were doing it well. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, for real, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, in their area. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. There's still more, a better way to love. This is how. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And attend, mind your own business. And work with your own hands just as we commanded you. So that you may behave properly toward outsiders and not be in need of anything. That's how to love. Make it your ambition to live your Christian life in the beauty of quietness, secret place. You know, when you have a lot of gold, back in the gold diggers day, when many people came out west to find gold, the wise gold digger, when he found gold, was quiet about it. The foolish one told everybody in town the first day he found some gold. You know what happened to the foolish ones? They were robbed and many were killed and others got their gold. The wise ones kept their gold, took it quietly to the bank. They kept their gold in reserve. It's still this way with Jesus. You want your treasure in heaven? Jesus is saying, if you read it, you want your treasure in heaven here in Matthew chapter 6? Your reward will be in the bank in heaven if you do it quietly. But if you don't, and you get the praise of men, that's your reward. It's that cheap. What reward do you want in life? The praise of people or the praise of God? I think that's why so many Christians live such an unfulfilled, empty life. And you'll realize in your life, I've realized this in my life, that when I want the praise of people, if I need my wife to praise me, to make me feel good about myself, or you to praise me and say, yes, wow, you're really good at that, Phil, or you're good at this, or you want people's praise, it's because... You're empty inside. That's why we want people to praise us. But when people praise us, it's paper money that can be burned. But when God praises us, it's gold that can never be taken away from us. Gold in the bank in heaven. Don't ever forget that. That's what Jesus is teaching here. And then he says, when you live like this, the end of chapter 6, you'll have no worries. Anxiety free. When the sun sets you free, you are free for real, indeed. You live a life anxiety free. Doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. You will. But you're not going to give in to it and speak out of it and act in it. You'll act differently. You'll speak differently. You'll live like a bird. I'll never forget. 
One day, many years ago, my wife and I were, our son Christian had just passed away. We were grieving deeply. And there was no money in the bank. It was through the really tough 08, 09 financial crisis. How many of you remember the Great Recession? It hit us hard. And one day, someone provided a way for us to go to Florida for a, a few days for a wedding there. And we went. And I remember I hadn't been at the ocean in years. I came down to the ocean. I walked out that morning out, to the, out on the beach. And I was struggling in my heart. Lord, what's going to happen? I think we're going to file bankruptcy. What shall we do? And... Why are you doing all this to me? Our son just died and we were going through so many things in life. It was overwhelming to me. And just like that, I heard the Lord speak so distinctly clear in my heart. Look at the birds. These words. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Jesus' words. And I stopped. I was walking along the shore like this with my head down and it's so strong. I stopped and I looked and the seagulls were all around me. You've been there? You seen those seagulls by the ocean? You know what I noticed as I looked? The Lord said, is there one skinny seagull? Not even one. They were all fat, well fed. And then I kept looking and I noticed these seagulls were diving into the water, diving into the water. And many of their dives, they didn't catch anything. And all of a sudden, one of them got one. I don't know how many dives they did to catch one, but it was many of them. And they came up with one. And when one got one, he brought the fish over to the sand. And brrr, a whole bunch of birds came and were trying to steal his fish. And many times they did. Sometimes he... Kept a little. And the seagull would just kind of look around. Okay, there goes my fish. What am I going to do? I'm going to go dive again. And he just went out and dove again until he got a fish. Jesus said, live just like that. Look how fat they are. They don't worry. They have a heavenly father. You can live like that. Even if men steal from you or... The economy steals your stuff. Whatever happens, you lose what you get. Just keep working and trusting me and you'll be well fed. That's been, let's see, 14 years ago. I'm pretty fat. I'm well fed. I'm not dying of hunger. Are you? Will you live like the bird? Anxious free. It's real, brothers and sisters. It's real. Jesus' words are true. And they set us free. And in chapter 7 he says, Now that you've been set free, don't judge the people who aren't. Don't look around and judge the people who are still bound up in sin. Because if you do, there's still some bondage in you. 
There's still some area in your life you're not totally anxious for yet. So be careful. Proclaim my word, but do so without judgment. Or you'll be a hypocrite. They'll look at you and they'll see you worry one day. They'll look at you and they'll see there's some area in your life it's not quite Bible yet. You know what they'll do? They'll be just like that dog or that pig that you give a pearl to. They'll just tramp it into the mud. And then they'll turn around and say, Where'd you give me that? They'll bite you. They'll turn right around and your own words will sting you. That ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Preachers first. That's why Jesus said, Don't covet my job. They get judged first. All these words I'm sharing with you, I get to experience first. Ask, and it shall be given you. You know how you live? Like a bird, you ask. The wonderful way to be anxious and judgment-free life is to pray. And that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, when you stand praying, forgive. That experience is heaven on earth. And it'll set you free from anxiety, but it'll also set you free from judgment. Because once you start praying for someone, not just talking to God, you begin to hear God say to you through his word, this is how you should relate to that person. And all of a sudden, it sets your heart free from the judgment you had in there first. And you begin to love and forgive because you are being forgiven. It's a wonderful experience, dear brother, sister. And if you miss it and you pray like the Pharisee who comes into the temple Jesus talked about, you know, the Pharisee in Mark chapter 11, and he comes to the temple, those two men who came to the temple to pray. And the one said, oh, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like him. Thank you, I'm not like him. And look what I do. I fast twice a week. I don't commit adultery. And I give a tenth of all my tithes. That's the only righteousness that poor guy had. That's all he said. I give a tenth of all my stuff, all the money I get. And I don't commit adultery. Well, that's good. And, oh, then I fast twice a week. Did that make him right before God? Only three good things out of this whole book that he was doing. And he thought he was right before God. And a man who was a thief. Most of the publicans were the tax collectors. Most of them cheated. And that's how they made their money. And he comes in and he's beating his heart. And he's saying, oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one went out forgiven? The sinner. Do you leave your prayers forgiven? Justified is the word Jesus used. Just as if he had never sinned. You can. You can pray that way. Ask and you shall receive. 
That's what Jesus was talking about. And your heavenly Father, He knows how to give. And in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus quoted this again through the Gospel of Luke, He says, So much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He does exactly what Jesus said will happen in the narrow, those who walk the narrow way. They'll be fruitful people. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there's no law. The fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to come out of your life just like a tree that brings forth fruit. You're not perfect immediately, but you begin to bud and flowers come out and fruit begins to come out of your life and people begin to see you do have a little self-control. You do have some love. You actually do have some joy. You actually do. How can you be anxious free in this situation? You should be like freaking out. No, I have a heavenly father. I'm well fed. I trust him. Begin to live a fruitful life. And that fruitful life is not cut down, Jesus said. It's not cut down. That fruitful life is rewarded in heaven. That's the wise person. The Christian who is a fruitful life. And when men come to pick out your fruit, they won't get pierced with a thorn. Are you okay when men come and pick a little from your fruit? Say, you know what? Why are you so happy? Can you help, can you help me be happy? Stay over there! I've I got enough of problems. I don't need your problem yet. A thorn. You ever tried to touch a thistle? Get some fruit. Get that pretty red flower in a thistle. A lady down here that used to own dad's house, she had this big thistle right in the corner. And every spring it had these beautiful flowers that came up. But if you went even close to them and tried to pick them, one time Bosker, a dog, ran straight into it. Thistles all over his face. And then he took his, his front leg and he tried to get him out of his face and they stuck all into his front leg. It was on a Sunday morning. And I remember Katie spent like maybe an hour trying to get all his thistles out of his. Or like remember when Roscoe went biking with us. And we were biking on a trail west of Loveland, and he comes around this trail, and, and he didn't make the sharp turn, and he, he locks his brake, and he goes to put his foot down, but there was a steep embankment on the one side, and he puts his foot down, and he throws him over, and he rolls down right into a thistle all over him. The... And that afternoon, I started picking out those thistles out of Roscoe's face and his hair. And he was a tough guy. He kept on biking with us. And when he came home, Katie had him sit here at the window with the tweezers. And he was just slowly picking out. Oh, it feels like there's one right there. Where is it? Put the light on it. Get it out. Is that what you give to people when they come to pick your fruit? Men do not pick fruit from thistles, do they? That's what the false teachers do. They teach you what I'm teaching you. But when they come to you for prayer, when you come to them for prayer, you come to them for help. 
They have like this attitude in Isaiah 65. They, I'm more righteous than you. You stay over there. I don't want to get infected by your sin. Got enough of problems of my own. And the Lord says a strong word to those people in Isaiah 65. A person who says, I'm more righteous, I'm more holy than you, you stay over there. The Lord says, he's like a fire that is burning and the smoke comes right up in my nose. Is your righteousness like that? That's how that Pharisee who came to pray, Jesus said, he's like a guy like that. When you come to God, you're like a smoking fire, your own righteousness. Have you ever sat in front of a smoking fire where the smoke just came right into your nose? What do you do? You just sit there and endure it? Enjoy the warmth? No, you don't. What do you do? You turn away, right? You move your chair. You turn your face. God does too. Turns his face away from us. So dear brother, sister, when you receive Jesus' words into your life, be a fruitful tree. One that is not smoke in God's nose. But where people can taste of the goodness of the Lord in your life. And you can share it with them. Some of the peace you have in your heart when you went through your financial struggle or are even going through it right now. You can pray with them and share that peace with them. And they may never know you're going through the same struggle right now. You ever done that? Oh, many times. And the Lord says, shh, don't you say a word. This is their needy moment. I'll meet your need. You pray for them so I can meet their need. That's a rich reward in Christian life, my dear friends. And once you begin to experience that, Jesus' words become your life. And the storms of life can beat on you and burst on you like a flood. Your relationship with Jesus is strong. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word again this morning. You know, do you do you pray believing, believing that? God will meet your needs financially, physically, spiritually. We're told to pray believing. So often, I know my prayers probably sound a little bit more like uh, I would imagine one of my kids whining to me about something that they want or think they need. Isn't that often how we are? I say that for myself. I guess I won't, I won't say that for any of you. Hopefully you guys are all past that. But sometimes as I look back on my prayers, I wonder if I'm uh, not acting like a four-year-old. So, But pray believing that God is going to answer your prayers and give you what you need. Thank you all for being here this morning. I think some burgers are getting grilled up out there. It's uh, looking pretty good. I'm sure food will be ready shortly, so please... uh
stay and enjoy that time of fellowship with us. So, if you're able to, please stand and uh, we'll have a closing prayer and a blessing on our meal. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for this time we've had here this morning to hear from you, to worship you. And I pray that your words would go deep into our lives and bring forth fruit, that we would be that, that pleasant, enjoyable fruit that others can witness and partake of, that we would not be thorns, but good fruit for you. I pray that that would be the desire of each heart and life here this morning. I thank you for the food that's been provided for us. I pray that you would bless it and bless our time of fellowship this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.